welcome to the Cinderella podcast, where we watch and review every Cinderella adaptation we can get our hands on, discussing the same story over and over until we slowly go insane. I'm Liv. And I'm Talon, and today we watched Cinderella, the 1950 Disney Cinderella. It's it's the Disney Cinderella. It's yeah. the one you, you're thinking of. It is, yeah. It's the Disney Cinderella. So, listeners... Talon had never seen this before. This is Talon's first viewing of the Disney Cinderella. So I am stoked for the feedback I'm about to get on this film. I'm I, so <laughs> I feel like I've observed a lot just through like cultural osmosis, but there were definitely parts of it where I was like surprised. It was fine. It was okay. I didn't love it. There was a lot of like animal sidekicks. I haven't watched this in years. So I, I was really into the Cinderella when I was in college. I would watch it at least once a month just for funsies. I have no idea why I was on such a Cinderella kick, specifically a Disney Cinderella kick, but I was. And I haven't watched it since then. So for me, this was a weird moment of, I forgot how much animal subplot there is that's a lot of animal subplot I would almost characterize it as like less Cinderella than animal subplot I, oh I'm not gonna watch it again and time it but you could you could very easily argue that this is more of an animal subplot around a Cinderella movie this is the um Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead of Cinderella's <laughs> A hundred percent. That's a hundred percent what it is. I, I mean, even the main romantic scene happens in the background as we literally see every single other character experience it. But yeah, I'm getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, yeah. I'm getting so, ahead of myself. You're getting ahead of ourselves. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us at the scene for our listeners. How does this once upon a time begin? So we start with this like very painterly background and it's kind of dark florals and it's the credits and they're going like, ah, Cinderella. And they're singing a song. I, I apologize, I can't sing. Uh, but they're singing like, you're as lovely as your name, Cinderella. You're a sunset in a frame. And they're just it's an, singing. It's an exposition song. It's they're the just exposition singing about song. how great she is. I also wrote down the line, you're as lovely as your name. Because that, I don't. I don't know how I feel about that line. I mean, historically, the name Cinderella is meant to be like derogatory. Yeah, it, it is. It is often a, um, yeah, it's a, it's a mean nickname that her stepsisters give her, which is why the lines in the other films that we've watched of "What's your name?" you wouldn't like it. It's a, it's a <laughs> stupid name. They have been so funny because it's not a lovely name. Uh, anyways, so so we get a storybook. And it's like this big ornate gold storybook with like an etching of two little birds with outfits holding up the title. And I immediately was like, why are the birds wearing outfits? Which was a question I would ask myself many times <laughs> throughout this movie. Um, and it does that whole storybook fairy tale opening where it, they open the book and they show you once upon a time in a faraway land and we get the exposition through the illustrations and a voiceover. Mm -hmm. Also, apparently, the kingdom is a tiny kingdom that was peaceful, 
and rich in romance and tradition. So the my notes say this looks like a happy night on Bald Mountain because the castle again is very 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 tall and all the houses are along a single street this is a, a land that has a very very tall palace at the end of a single street and we travel along the street and we see a bunch of likewise very tall houses and it's it's just got that classic disney animation mm-hmm. from that time when just the backdrops were gorgeous and the colors were just delicate and the design was really thoughtful and I just I love how visually beautiful this movie is I don't it's stunning I don't think I really even like this movie I think I just like watching this movie (laughs) I don't know so we, we get a voiceover telling us her story this was by the way the first time that we hear the word abused yeah which I made a note of because that was interesting uh we find out that they are having financial problems because the stepmother is spending too much money on her own daughters which is why Cinderella has to become a servant and I like that moment of explanation I think that that makes sense like that it wouldn't have happened instantly that there would have been a progression I thought it was interesting that they described that uh, Cinderella's father specifically thought that Cinderella needed a mother mm-hmm. and actively picked out a woman with two daughters around Cinderella's age. Like that sounded like that was the impetus for him getting yeah. remarried. Yeah. Um, and then they show us the stepmother who's horrifying. This is Lady Tremaine. Lady Tremaine is one of the classic Disney villains of all time. This is a note for Talon, as I would assume most of our listeners would probably know this. The voice actress who does Lady Tremaine is the same uh, person who voices Maleficent in Sleeping Beauty. I got that vibe. She it's was literally genuinely horrifying. It's the same person. And she, if anybody is not somehow familiar with Sleeping Beauty or Cinderella, she does this, she's a very low, rich, deep voice. And she does that terrifying thing that people do where they talk very softly and very calmly and they seem to be very polite. And then they yell at you. And you're, it's just the, the transition between those is fast and terrifying. Well, I just thought it was interesting that the narration said upon the untimely death, uh, the stepmother's true nature was revealed. But like, how could you not tell? She's I don't know. clearly evil. Like you look at her and you're like, oh, that lady's evil. That's evil. That's an evil person right there. Nobody who's not evil can make their mouth form that specific type of smirk. It's just, that's a thing that only evil people can do. She has evil Dracula hair. Does. And at one point her eyes glow green with evil. Yes, because she is Maleficent and her powers have faded over time. I don't think that's why. So we get little bluebird friends who wake up Cinderella and she does not want to get up and this is the first moment that I really really have a lot of I I resonate with this character just the no I don't want to get up now decline she does put the pillow back over her head yep have done I like that (laughs) and then she kind of flicks the bird and yeah. when the bird gets a little huffed up about it, it goes, well, that serves you right for spoiling people's best dreams. I, I have no complaints about that. 
I was not expecting Cinderella to flick a bird. <laughs> right, because this is all new for you. This is going to be so much fun for me to watch. Just your experience through this. So yes, we then get uh, the first part of A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes. And the birds are all listening to her sing and all the mice are waking up. And we get the line, no matter how your heart is grieving, which is the yeah. only time we really hear her talk about grief. Even when she's crying, she doesn't really talk about grief. This is really the only moment. So you get the sense that she is really still harboring a lot of grief and a lot of pain, but just is hopeful. Mm-hmm. I, I, the, the sense I got from this specific Cinderella was hope. Yes, definitely. And, and part of the narration that we didn't mention said that through all of the abuse and the humiliation, um, Cinderella remained gentle and kind. And you mm-hmm. really get the sense that she is deeply kind. Yes. She's not just mild. She's not meek. She she's... genuinely tries to summon up some sort of feeling for everyone in the house including the terrible cat including the terrible cat including her stepsisters which we'll get to in a second so um should we describe cinderella oh yes we should because uh why don't why don't you do it because i'm interested to hear your views i think she looks like julie andrews now that i've seen (laughs) julie andrews cinderella i think she looks like her but blonde but very blonde. And she actually does have a kind of like Mary Poppins vibe where she's she, kind of like no nonsense in that playfully stern way. She does. That is a, that's definitely a vibe. But this is in 1950 and the Julie Andrews one is from 57. So it's, they go in the opposite order, but. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Which is why I was so fascinated that the 57 one came out so soon after this one, but whatever, getting distracted. Uh, so she's got the blonde hair, the blue eyes, her hair is in braids, which I thought is really cute. I love when the animation plays around with different hairstyles. Yeah. Um, we have a lot anything. of creative, we have a lot of creative hairstyles in this movie, just like a whole bunch. Yeah. But I mean, like for a single character, when they change their clothes, they change their hair. That's a lot of effort. Like mm-hmm. that's a lot of extra effort. And I always notice when they do, and I always appreciate it. Uh, so she's wearing this like big billowy nightgown. I don't know. She looks like a 50s lady. She does. She's, she just has a sweet face. She has blue eyes, gentle features. She's delicate looking. Um, she also has Barbie feet. Very tiny. She feet has again. no yeah. toes. They're, They're just, small. no, like she doesn't have toes. It's her oh. hands are so beautifully and elegantly animated. And you always see each individual finger, but she does have, or, but she doesn't have any individual toes. And they show her barefoot a couple of times. And they just look like stocking feet. Oh, I've never noticed that. I'm never going to be able to watch this again. I mean, this is the risk you run. Oh, God. When you show me a thing and ask me my opinion. I regret so many decisions right now. Oh, God. Okay. 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 So the... Uh, the song picks up again and she's, she's mad at the bell for ringing because the it's bell the signifies clock. it's the clock. It's the clock bell. It rings. She really does have to get up, which is the first time we get introduced to the big clock in the center of town, which I thought it was cool that that's like a through piece. Yes. That's like her continuous minor villain. Minor villain of the bell. That's, I like it. So the song picks up and the mice and birds help her get ready for her day they make the bed for her they lay out her clothes they help her shower they make a makeshift shower with a big sponge 
I particularly like the part where the female my, mouse shoes the male mice away while she showers. Oh, I didn't notice for, that. For propriety so reasons. Funny. It's really pretty cute. All the mice are wearing clothes and all the birds are wearing clothes. And I was like, why? Why is this happening? But we find out it's because Cinderella has been dressing all of them. Yep, no, they don't. They don't leave that uh, unanswered. So. Uh, and the mice tell her that there's a new mouse in the house. And she's like, oh. I'm gonna get I'm gonna have to get her a dress and they're like no it's a boy mouse and she's like okay I'll get him I'll get him a different outfit yeah and it's a cute little joke about misgendering a mouse and I don't it's a very 1950s moment it's a very 1950s moment um I just I was happy to get a reason why all the animals were clothed and I love the idea that in her spare time, instead of like sleeping, Cinderella makes tiny clothes and then puts them on her friends. That's so, adorable. Yes. So a through line through this movie is that all of the animals can understand Cinderella and can make themselves understood to her. So she, the birds tweet at her and she talks back to them. But the mice physically speak. The mice, phys- the mice physically say human words to her. And she says human words back to them, but only the mice, not the cats or the dogs or the horses or the birds, just the mice. Well, the mice speak in this sort of half gibberish, half English. It's a very high pitched, very repetitive language. It's very proto-minion. Yes. Oh, yes. It so is. they'll repeat words twice. So like, and instead of calling her Cinderella, they call her Cinderelli. Yeah. It was annoying. I'm sorry. Like, I hated it. Oh, I wanted to ask you how you felt because we see the mice singing a little. Is this the first time we see the mice singing? No, the mice singing happens later. Happens later. How did you feel about this level of mouse anthropomorphism? It wasn't... I didn't think it fit well with Cinderella's design. Interesting. I just... She was so realistic and she was so kind of elegant and then to have all these mice everywhere that are like anthropomorphized it it was too many sidekicks for me you didn't it was like like half a dozen too many sidekicks you didn't like the two male mice and the whole group of female mice and all the birds and the dog and the horse you didn't you didn't think that those really added to the storyline it was too much i (laughs) here's the problem with watching this as an adult because I can't really say like how child me would have felt about it. Maybe child me would have been super into it, huge fan of the talking mice. But as an adult, I'm like, oh, can we get on with it? My God, please stop yeah. talking. Stop having antics. Oh, man. <laughs> so listeners, uh, normally we don't do announcements ahead of time, but we are going to be doing Disney Cinderella 1, 2, and 3 in a row for you guys. I've seen all three of these. Talon hasn't. Hearing how much the mice antics are distressing for you, I am so excited for you to watch the second one. Great. Great. I'm Something so, to look forward to. I'm great. So excited. I'm so excited. You're going to hate it. You're going to be miserable. I'm going to have such a good time watching you suffer. Um, We'll talk about this. There's still stuff going. So the mouse, the mouse is in the trap. 
uh cinderella goes to rescue him now that all the other mice are in clothes i'm like very conspicuously aware of how naked this one mouse is yes so she opens the trap and the mouse is scared and she puts the trap down and asks the main mouse jack to explain things to him and jack goes in and explains that cinderella is nice and everybody likes him and he'll be safe and he needs to come out of the cage so he does and cinderella gives him a hat and a shirt and the shirt doesn't really fit it's kind of too tight because this mouse is a chubbo he's a little plump little chunky mouse and he's adorable he's a little chubby mouse guy and cinderella Um, announces that she's going to name him octavius but they're going to call him gus for short which makes me wonder what is jack's real name because is he also named after some roman emperor or like a turkish lord of some kind or an ancient king like i, I want to know what jack's full name is i don't understand how you get gus from octavius like augustus i would have understood right that is also weird it would have made more sense if it was augustus i don't have an answer for you there's moving anyway. on so Jack explains to Gus, I'm, I'm having such a hard time calling them by their name, like in a singular way, because they call each other Jack, Jack and Gus, Gus. Yes, that's true. That is correct. Um, Jack explains uh, the cat. Oh, the cat yeah. is Lucifer. Cat is Lucifer. Like both literally and like that's his name is Lucifer. Yes. Which is incredible. How did cinderella's dad not know that lady tremaine was evil she has a cat named lucifer that she pets dramatically like a bond villain like a bond villain she's got a bond villain cat the cat is a bond villain the cat is also a bond villain but lady tremaine is a bond villain petting a smaller bond villain on her lap it's like the evil mini me anyway so cinderella begins her chores and she very quietly opens the door to her stepmother's room and wakes up lucifer who's sleeping on a little cat bed palace it's a little mother has this big canopied evil purple bed yep and lucifer has his own smaller canopied evil bed i just look i'm friends with enough crazy cat people that i couldn't find that sinister i'm i have too many crazy cat friends who have built massive castles for their tiny feline goblins for me to feel that that is a sinister thing to do anymore (laughs) i mean i i didn't think that lucifer's was particularly sinister when you miniaturize anything it's kind of cute but it was meant to evoke the same evil aura yes just miniature which makes it cute yeah so cinderella is like okay come here kitty and lucifer turns all the way around with his back to her which which is is a a classic cat move strong energy of how dare you speak to me you peasant lucifer is bad but in this moment again i i'm feeling lucifer just like how dare you wake me up and then she calls him over again and he kind of ambles over like it was his own idea yep in his own time strong cat energy they did a real somebody had a cat with a big personality because they really nailed the cat energy in this one someone had a cat that they hated and loved in equal measure (laughs) yep he also scratches the floor as he goes Mm -hmm. which presumably cinderella will have to buff out at some point yep so he gets just outside of the bedroom door and sort of yawns and she just shuts the door and hits him in the butt and sort of knocks him on his face and he 
grumbles about it. It's a cute moment. And she says, look, it's not my choice to feed you first. It's orders. So she clearly has a long set of orders. She also calls him your highness in the process. Mm-hmm. Very sarcastically. It's very cute. Oh, I have a note from earlier that the the shadow animation of her, she goes, the, the animation of her tower that she lives in has a, it's a big rectangular tower and there's all these rickety wooden steps that go up it. And the animation of her shadow going down those steps and the shadows cast by the light through the steps and the ricketiness with cobwebs and stuff is just, every time we see the tower, I'm just staggered by the handling of light and shadow. It's just gorgeous. All of the interiors are just incredible. Incredible. They're incredible. Mm-hmm. The The house itself is beautiful. And they did such a good job of matching the animation to the parts that are painted background. At mm-hmm. one point, she opens up the windows and it just, it's so seamless, despite the fact that most of the background had to have been painted in that scene. You really get a sense that anything might move at any moment. She could open any door, things mm-hmm. like that. It feels extremely realistic. So um, Cinderella goes to the kitchen and we meet Bruno. Bruno is a big, happy, sleepy hound dog who is dream running in his sleep and sort of dream growling and catches the rug that he's sleeping on in his teeth and continues to sort of dream. And Cinderella wakes him up and says, oh, were you dreaming? And Bruno sort of nods. Oh, woo, woo. And Cinderella goes, were you dreaming of chasing Lucifer? And Bruno goes, oh, woo, woo, woo. And Cinderella goes, did you catch him? And Bruno goes, oh, woo, woo. And Cinderella goes, that's bad. And Bruno's like, oh, woo. <laughs> and it's just I love Bruno so much and Cinderella says no you know if you what if they'd heard you upstairs you know that if you make noise they make you sleep outside you know if you don't want to lose this nice warm spot by the fire it's you just have to try to get along with cats and Lucifer is now in the room being very smug about who you have to try to get along with me and Cinderella goes even Lucifer has his good points he's well well he's and she tries for uh, several minutes to come up with something and eventually winds up with, there must be something good about him. And Lucifer is very insulted. And Bruno is amused. On the tales of this interaction, Lucifer fakes getting hurt mm-hmm. and kind of throws himself under Bruno and kind of swipes at him. So Bruno growls. And of course it looks like he's attacking the cat and he gets tossed outside. That made me so sad. Oh yeah. It's, it's, there's a lot of moments in this that weirdly just, just unexpectedly out of the blue, just heart punches. Yeah. Like, Like, oh, you got set up by someone literally named Lucifer who we've just discovered even Cinderella can't name a single good trait. That really got me for some reason. (laughs) Yeah. So Cinderella puts on big wooden clogs to go and feed all the other chickens and farm animals. And the mice want to go as well, but Lucifer is having a big bowl of milk in the kitchen and they can't sneak past him. So they decide to draw straws to see who gets to go be bait for Lucifer so they can go out and collect food. The way they draw straws is that they all get into a circle, turn their backs to one another, braid their tails together, and then Jack reaches behind him and grabs a tail and everybody hops away and whoever's tail he's holding has to go be bait. It's this weird drawing straws. And of course he's picked his own tail. Mm-hmm. So he goes and he's bait for Lucifer. I'm not going to go through all the pet antics because it's just absurd. So he he goes, he, Lucifer chases him. 
he goes into one of the secret hidey holes. The house is riddled with mouse holes and secret mouse door openings and secret mouse internal workings. It's like the borrowers. It's great. I hated that. You hated that? Why? I just viscerally, the idea of mice <laughs> running all over our house oh. was really upsetting to me. I don't know. I have always lived in very old buildings and like I've had mice before and as cute as they are, like mm. I hate yeah. no, I've, when they're in the house. Yeah, I've had, I've had, I live in a very old house as well and I've had, I've had a couple mice in this house. We had rats in this house for a while and Ooh. that was excruciating it ruined it ruined tiny mammals for me i go to the store now and people are like look at the cute hamster i'm like kill it like i can't i'm sorry i can't do smaller than this anymore bunnies are acceptable i suppose but like anything smaller than a bunny is just not acceptable to me i'm i'm sad about this part of my innocence has been stolen so anyway <laughs> so anyway sorry <laughs> So while Jack's distracting Lucifer, the other mice make it into the yard. They're getting food. Uh, the chickens are being mean and they're not letting Gus have any. And Cinderella kind of shoes them away and gives Gus his own pile, which leads to him taking like way too many kernels of whatever it is. What do you think they're having? It's corn. It's, it's corn. corn. Okay. Because it's, it's, it's sort of triangularly shaped in a wedge and it looks like tiny wedges of cheese, but there's no reason that you would feed chickens cheese. So right. it has to be corn because that is a thing that you would reasonably feed chickens corn. Okay. So, so it's corn. So yeah. Uh, it looked Gus, like cereal <laughs> and I was like, well, it can't be that. Yeah, no. So Gus picks up more than he can hold and, or almost more than he can hold. And he runs back in and one of the other mice has dropped. The other mice have all taken two pieces of corn two maybe three Gus has taken like eight and one of the mice drops one and doesn't go back to get it because the important thing is to get back to their holes before Lucifer finds out but Gus really wants that corn because again he's chunky so we then get the scene where he drops his corn and then Lucifer hears that and sees him and he tries to pick up the corn and Lucifer is stalking towards him and he keeps dropping his corn because he refuses to not take all of, all of it. it yes this is this is a parable about the dangers of greed or uh gluttony i suppose i mean um, it all works out for gus it does so uh, i was just so mad that he tried it twice exactly the same thing twice oh yeah no that was upsetting i was like come on man you just did this because so, he's got the the corn like in a stack and he's trying to hold it with his little arms and it's stacked all the way up to his chin but his little arms can't reach and the corn keeps like popping and flying everywhere. And he just keeps doing the same thing. We don't, we don't like it when people don't learn from their mistakes. I think that's the moral of this podcast is learn from your mistakes. It's fine to make mistakes. Don't make them multiple times. I didn't know we had a moral. I was just going with the father should be dead. The father should be dead. That's just a rule of thumb. So, uh, Jack manages to knock a broom over and hit Lucifer and then doesn't see Gus and assumes he's got away. Gus has scurried up the tablecloth and is hiding himself on a plate, which Lucifer notices and catches him by putting a teacup over him. And then Cinderella comes in and it's part of the breakfast trays that she's getting ready for her stepmother and stepsister. And so we have essentially uh, a cup game for a while where 
Lucifer tries to guess the cup and then Cinderella moves it and then Cinderella puts tea in things and then Cinderella moves them again. And this just happens for a while. And obviously someone's about to get a teacup with a mouse in it. Yep. And it is, is actually kind of tense. It, it is. So Lucifer decides to try and uh, catch the mouse one more time as Cinderella's coming up the staircase. Uh, the, the bells are all ringing at this point, the little bells that servants that ring in the servants' quarters and the stepsisters mm-hmm. are all shrieking, where's my food? I want breakfast. How are you so late? And so she goes up the staircase and Lucifer sees which teacup the mouse is under and sees that it's the one near him and goes and he's clearly gonna steal the teacup and get the mouse but cinderella drops her shoe on the staircase which i thought that was very cute i thought that was really cute and so she turns around and so the teacup that lucifer picks up doesn't have a mouse under it wah wah and so then cinderella opens the door to her stepsister's room and she this is the we've been told that she's been abused and humiliated we've seen her do all these chores we've seen the garret room that she lives in and which i maintain is pretty cute it's pretty cute but it's way up a whole bunch of super rickety stairs and i live in a tall house with minimal uh insulation high rooms are freezing in winter and roasting in the summer they're miserable so that is not a comfortable room that she's in just saying so she goes in and she greets her she greets the first stepsister which is drusilla with you know good morning i hope you slept well just very sweet very mm-hmm. kind and we hear drusilla say much you care and tells her to do some ironing or some washing or something mm-hmm. and then and then we repeat this with the anesthesia and, stepsister but mm-hmm. now it's like mending, mending or laundry or, or whatever something and then she gives the final tray to her stepmother who tells her to finish with the laundry and Cinderella starts to go back downstairs and we scream because Anastasia has the cup with the mouse in it and the stepsisters shriek and just generally babble over one another and go running to into the stepmother's room Lucifer knew this was going to happen and so was waiting (laughs) and has caught Gus Cinderella sees what has happened goes to Lucifer and demands that he release Gus which he does eventually I don't understand why why I don't understand why Lucifer releases him I mean she's picking him up the next thing that's going to happen is she's just going to pick him up all the way he He should have just shoved the mouse in his mouth I just there shouldn't be mice in a house unless (laughs) he's it's a it's a bad cat this cat is a terrible mouser this is an unsuccessful cat okay I say just fluffy purring pillow next to me the mouse on the teacup really illustrates the dangers of having just wild roaming rodents free range in your home. Yeah, and to be fair, if I was served a tray of food and there was a mouse on my teacup, I would also be upset. Mm-hmm. But they accuse Cinderella of having done that on purpose. Yes, and the stepmother calls her in and she goes in very calmly, very serenely, Mm-hmm. but also kind of like she's going to her execution with her head held high yes it's very much a death with dignity the way every time she goes to talk to her stepmother there is always very much a death with dignity vibe and the stepsisters say "Ooh, like you're gonna get it you're in trouble and cinderella closes the door and the stepsisters start peering in at the keyhole and 
sort of flounce at one another. I, I don't know how to describe their movements. They just kind of flounce. They do flounce. I don't like their designs. I, I guess we should talk about them. We so should. they look basically identical to me, but Drusilla has black hair and Anastasia has red hair. They are essentially identical. They um, look very much like the stepsisters in very much is the wrong word. They look like their design is based off of the stepsisters in the Betty Boop cartoon, where they're just kind of wigglier and their noses are kind of roundy and they just don't look they don't look peopley the way that Cinderella and the stepmother look peopley. So my problem with their design is that it's a much more simplified design than everybody else's. And so they have these lines around their mouths that really stand out because yes. they're like the only feature that they have. And even their clothes, the shapes of their clothes are really simplified. So they have like these ball, like round shaped sleeves and their dresses are like very kind of solid color, plain looking. And I just didn't like it as much. The dresses are as far as I can tell, supposed to be somewhere vaguely between 1870 and 1890, based on the, they have bustles and they have poopy sleeves, but just, it's a very wishy design. It's not strongly set in any particular time period, but it's somewhere at the, near the end of the 1800s which sort of makes sense based on how the houses are designed because they all have mansard roofs and it's just a very sort of nouveau feel to a lot of it, honestly. So the stepmother doesn't say anything at first and Cinderella walks into her room and there's this very tense moment and Cinderella goes, oh, surely you don't believe. And the stepmother just quiet, just it's very abrupt. And then goes mm -hmm. back to this very calm, rational, soothing voice. Um, you know, the sound of evil. And yes and the shadows are very dramatic and she's doing the thing where she's petting the cat. petting the cat who is you know agreeing with her and emphasizing her words and her eyes are very green and they glow sometimes yes and it, sometimes it is specifically done for evil emphasis as a, as a scene is fading out and sometimes it's sort of because the light is hitting them in a certain way but it's it's unnerving every time it happens and it's done for effect and it's used terribly well so the stepmother says well you seem to have extra time on your hands time for vicious practical jokes and then gives her this massive list of stuff to do including washing the tapestries and the draperies and cinderella's like i just did those and she's like do them again and the way she delivers this list is the carpet clean it the windows wash them and it's yeah. just like a lot it's of it's a lot of change in tone and it's very effective. I felt guilty. I like felt like I was in trouble. I was like, oh, I, I messed up. I gotta, gotta do all that cleaning. Oh, but Talon, what's the very last thing on this list? Oh, and she says, and see that Lucifer gets his bath and Lucifer is like halfway through agreeing with it. And then he makes a, oh no face. We <laughs> never, we never see him get the bath. We don't, well, I mean, he does get thrown in the fountain at one point, but. That's not a bath. It's not does, a bath. I have a question for later. I'll ask it later. Oh, okay, okay. So we then cut to the castle, uh, an exterior scene. And we see 
a crown fly through a window. And we zoom in through the hole and we see the king talking with someone who we find out later is the Grand Duke. I had forgotten and I have him in my notes as the Chancellor. But he's, he's the I Duke. called him Sir Hiss the entire time until they told us that yeah, he he's was the Grand Duke. Yeah, he's, he's a very pompous, chancellery kind of dude who's spindly but kind of pot-bellied at the same time and sort of skinny fat. He's skinny fat. He's got this giant mutton chop mustache situation and he's wearing a big sash. Mm-hmm. And, and that's his deal. And the king is like a little a little guy but not as little as like some of the literal uh, some of the smaller kings. He's like the sultan. In Disney. He's like the sultan. He's bigger he, than the sultan. He's bigger than the sultan but he is about eh, two-thirds human size you know vertically he's he's a shorter man he's kind of stocky and he's wearing what looks to me like a general's outfit yes he's roaring he the king has so much anger he he only has basically anger he has two emotions happy and angry that's it there's there's really nothing else um which is again very 1950s those are the emotions you're allowed to feel so the king's thing is that, you know, it's high time that his son married and settled down. Um, he's not getting any younger. His only child is getting further and further away from him. And what he really, really wants is some grandkids to just hang out with. Yeah. I caught that line for sort of the first time that I really noticed it about, you know, how sad he is that your only child is growing farther and farther away from you. And I was like, there's so much that could be pursued that is never ever going to be explored but there's such an interesting narrative there of my only child is growing away from me and a i miss them i'm a dude in the 1950s i'm a dude animated by dudes in the 1950s and so i don't know how to do anything other than be angry or happy and i'm not happy about this so i have to be angry about it and i don't know how to talk about things i only know how to control stuff so i'm just going to control that he marries because I can't stand that I'm losing my only child. I, w- I, w- I want to see this done sensibly. I want to see this actually explored. And of course it's not, but I would like that. So as he's saying that you see portraits in like a sequence and it starts out with the king cradling a baby and then him like playing with a child and then the child getting bigger. And then the portraits keep getting bigger and bigger in size and the prince looks more and more distant in each one until finally you get this very regal sort of portrait of him facing away on a horse or something. It's, it's, an, it's nice. It's, it's a very well done scene. It's both funny and touching. Yeah. And currently the prince is out somewhere. He's coming back the next day. And I don't think they ever explained where the prince was, but he's they, both emotionally and physically getting further away from the king. Uh-huh. And so the chancellor suggests, you know, maybe if you just let him alone, he would find somebody. And the king scoffs at this idea and says, there's nothing complicated about this. It's just a boy and a girl who meet under the right conditions. So we'll just arrange the conditions. And says, you know, the prince is coming home. What could be more natural than throwing a ball? And the Grand Duke is like, well, nothing. And he's like, and if all the maidens in the kingdom just happen to be there. The king also has a very peculiar way of locomoting. Most people in this movie walk like normal people. The Chancellor does a lot of sort of stumbly 
leg hijinks stuff awkward trippy weird he moves bizarrely the king likes to look him up by like belly scooching his way across a long table yeah for no reason we don't get any reason why the king is so weird he climbs on furniture a lot and like jumps off one thing to another i i think his sort of most evocative line is when the grand duke says we must be patient and he roars i am patient it's it's so quintessentially 1950s it's also like a big dad move it is a big dad move so so the king commands that the ball will be tonight and the grand duke is like tonight yes tonight okay fine which is intense but i guess when you're the king you can just do things like that i mean i guess so we now cut to the stepsister's music lesson the lady tremaine their stepmother is playing the piano drusella is singing and anastasia is playing the flute it is horrific it is the sing sweet nightingale song i think this is unnecessarily hurtful to people who are tone deaf such as myself it is on the other hand i think this is demonstrating that lady tremaine is blind to her daughter's faults or rather blind to any sensible way to correct them because not being able to sing is fine not being able to sing and being forced to sing and being told that you're good at singing and this is a thing you can just improve on is is unkind of lady tremaine to do to her daughters they're awful people but it's unkind of her to do that do you think lady tremaine is nice to her daughters we don't no, really she's very, see she's very clearly not she yells at them i mean she doesn't abuse them the way she abuses cinderella but she's she talks down to them she it's very clear that she is not kind to them either because we've seen versions of cinderella in which the stepmother is kind of blind to any fault that her own children have and is very like my beautiful darling children and we've seen versions in which she's like well they're horrible but i love them we're gonna do we're gonna make do we're gonna make do they're they're all i have this is the best i can do and i couldn't quite see which way this cinderella was going with it because i think they wanted us to think that lady tremaine like really favors them but she's not nice to them either she doesn't she favored by her having warmth so here's the thing i don't think that she has warmth and i don't think that she is kind to anybody because she very clearly lacks that capacity however i think that she is not abusive towards her own daughters in the same way that she's abusive towards cinderella i think that she um i am positive that she belittles them and mocks them for their failings but very likely off screen where Cinderella is not present to see it because we're following Cinderella's story. I just didn't get the sense that they were terrified of her. And I feel like if she was my mother, I would be terrified of her. That's, okay, that's a good point. They really, they, they, impo- they do impose themselves on her in ways that surely you know better than to do such a thing. They, you know, grab they her dress. They very comfortable with her. Yeah, they grab her dress and tug her and just you holler at her and over one another. And I lady tremaine is terrifying right right so okay so maybe you're right so anyways so we're in this music lesson it's going quite poorly which we are emphasized by lucifer having a really bad time and covering his ears in pain and eventually just 
flees the room and closes the door on his way out. And we see Cinderella scrubbing the floor in the, the main big entry room. And she's singing the same song and she's singing it beautifully. And we then get one of my favorite scenes because Cinderella's washing the floor and there's bubbles. And so you see her reflection in a bunch of different bubbles and it sort of changes, the bubbles change color. So in one of the bubble reflections, she's sort of green hued and in one she's sort of red toned. And because there's multiple versions of her on screen and bubbles and there's now no background anymore. It's just darkness and just sort of a rich darkness with bubbles in front of it. Um, we get to have harmonies because she's singing and there's multiples of her on screen so you can have harmonies. And I love it. I love how much that scene just evokes. She's forgotten the house. She's forgotten that she's scrubbing. I mean, she's still scrubbing, but she's very clearly lost in the joy of the song. She's very clearly removed from her situation. And it really emphasizes, you know, in addition to being just an incredibly beautiful scene. It also really emphasizes a piece of the earlier exposition that said that Lady Tremaine was, you know, angry and jealous at how beautiful and talented basically Cinderella is. Yeah. And you really get the sense that like this comes so effortless, effortlessly to her. Yeah. Um, and she is so poised and she is so beautiful that yeah, I, I can see what there is to be jealous of. And it's a really great mood piece. I, I, I really love this song. And it ends sort of abruptly and the bubbles pop because we find out that Lucifer has gotten his feet deliberately into a giant dustpan and has raced with dirty cat feet all over the floor and ruined her floor that she just cleaned. Definitely, <laughs> definitely somebody has had a hat has had a cat do that to them 100 i mean i have dogs and i wash the floor and they come in and there's just muddy dog feet everywhere and i just mm. so then she says you mean thing i'm just gonna have to teach you a lesson and then she gets a broom oh yeah she's and very that's clearly interrupted and that's interrupted <laughs> by a messenger the royal messenger but was she gonna hit the cat with the broom she was absolutely gonna hit the cat with the broom or at least sweep him out of the door and make him be an outside cat for an afternoon Okay, just checking. I'm just hitting animals with brooms is an old thing that people used to do because they understood that you're not supposed to hit your animals because that's mean. Mm -hmm. But there wasn't a sense that you shouldn't hit your animals at all. Mm -hmm. So there was a time where we were like, well, we'll just hit them with a broom then because brooms aren't like physically painful the way belts or shoes are so hitting animals with brooms to sort of be like no bad dog bad cat that's that's an old thing that shows up in various movies up until you know we learned not weird. to hit animals with brooms weird i just thought that that was an interesting character beat for cinderella i, I like it because it it emphasizes this not a pushover there's a yeah. couple of scenes where she definitely she stands up for herself to her stepmother she takes her punishment with grace and poise but without cowering without being fearful she definitely has some some spunk and mm -hmm. i i like that she has i like that she has that i i like it when a cinderella is not just pretty and meek and sweet 
Uh, speaking of not pretty and meek and sweet, um, she says, maybe I should interrupt the music lesson. Oh, and the way a- she emphasizes music was so mean. It's, it's mean. So, it's so it's not their fault that they can't sing. Some people are just not good at that. But it is Lady Tremaine's fault that she's making them sing. Some Someone is at fault. And clearly everybody in the house who has to listen is suffering because... I didn't think it sounded that bad. It doesn't sound good. It's not... I've heard worse things sung. I'll, I'll, I mean, I've absolutely heard worse things sung, but it's definitely not good. And it's, it's meant to contrast with, because the, their voices are very strident and very nasally and very, Meh! and Cinderella's got a very, very sweet tone. So it's, it's meant to be a contrast with her. So the stepsisters are in the middle of getting into a fight with one another. And we get this lovely line from Lady Tremaine where she goes, girls, above all, remember, self-control and at that moment Cinderella knocks on the door and Lady Tremaine just slams her hands down on the piano making a very strident chord and goes yes (laughs) and it's just it's a great moment because she is so poised and in control most of the time but she just lost it at that one moment so Cinderella delivers the letter they immediately rip it up and you know it's the invitation to the ball um every eligible young woman and the one stepsister goes, why, that's us. And then the other one goes, and I'm so eligible. Which I like. I like that that's the beat instead of them being like, my knees creak. I yes. blink too much. I like that they're just like, I'm so eligible. Like, you sure are, honey. You sure are. I mean, that's an actual joke. Yeah, I know. And it's funny. They, it's- did, they did a real joke. That's By why the way, we're I, laughing. I think the lines around their mouths are meant to be frown lines, indicating that they are just unpleasant people it's meant to emphasize that they frown a whole bunch because those are those are frown lines it just makes them look kind of bulldoggy i don't know i didn't like it i don't disagree with you but i think it's meant to evoke frown lines that's how i've always interpreted it i just thought that they were like unfortunate looking that's i mean they're the ugly stepsisters this is we decided to make them physically ugly as well as ugly personalities in this time so they've read this with cinderella in the room and Cinderella goes, well, then that means I can go too. And the stepsisters immediately start to mock her and say like, well, you, you'd, probably, you'd have to ask the prince to hold your broom. And Cinderella is clearly, her feelings are hurt by this, but she immediately straightens and says, well, why not? You know, I'm still a member of this family and it said every eligible young woman. And I love that she stands her ground on that. Mm-hmm. I love it. It was a really good scene. You can see her holding her chin high and she sort of squares her shoulders. It's so good. And she's basically putting them on the spot because they have to either admit that she's not part of the family, which would be embarrassing for them to do, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Or they have to go against the royal decree. Yeah. So it's, it's really well done. And she does that thing where she does not lose her temper because the second you've lost your temper you're screwed Mm -hmm. so she's just very calm and the stepmother is clearly caught a little bit aback and she goes well I suppose you can go provided you get all your chores done and if you can find something suitable to wear and Cinderella is very excited and does not see the obvious loophole in this and says oh thank you stepmother I will and races off to do her chores 
and the stepsisters are aghast and they sort of shout over one another, mother, mother, what have you done? Do you realize what you've just said? And Lady Tremaine goes in one of the iconic Disney villain lines. Yes, I said, yeah. And the stepsisters go, oh, yeah. It's just iconic line. It's, it's really good. It is really good. It still lands so solidly, even though you know it's a trap. Oh, yeah. It's still, it's not the obvious trap of sort this pile of lentils. Like, it's... You can see why Cinderella has hope. You can, because she's a very hopeful person. And the step, this is the thing about Lady Tremaine that is so unbelievably evil. She says this line in a very convincing, well, I suppose you can go. Of course you can go, dear. Just... She, she really does the soft, I don't, is there a word for it? Soft evil? It's not gaslighting at this point because she's not saying that she hasn't done something that she's definitely done. It's very she, almost affable. It's, it's, it's very sweet. It's very pleasant. It's very, well, of course, dear. I'm just, it's, it's charming almost. Mm-hmm. And just, it's, it's disorienting. She sounds extremely believable if you weren't looking at her and didn't know that she is obviously the embodiment of all evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're like, yeah, no, that that makes sense. Yeah, sure, you can go if you finish all your chores and get some clothes. Anyways. So Cinderella goes to her room and she's got her mother's old dress, which we're given to understand is kind of out of fashion. And she's got this book with patterns and dresses and she's going to redo it a little bit. But right as she's about to get started she gets called away and they're yelling her name and we get this line from jack the mouse which that was the one time that i was like oh i'm glad that jack the mouse is in this where he's going you know poor cinderella 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 night and day um the cinderella song this is the work song yeah and they sing the song and she and he goes you know what she's not going to the ball she's never going to get her dress done. They're going to keep, they're going to make her work the whole time. And all the mice are very sad about this. And Talon. <laughs> and Talon. I'm not, because I know what's going to happen. I mean, I know what's going to happen. <laughs> but at this point, the, the girl mice look at the fashion book and go, hey, we can do this. This isn't that hard. And they just decide that they are going to completely remake this dress by themselves jack and gus are inspired by this and say you know we want to help we'll get the scissors and we'll do sewing and they're like you are incapable of doing this this is a chore that requires like talent and skill so leave that to the women and you go like find some stuff that we can use and normally a like leave the sewing to the women line would offend me but what they're doing is intense engineering and I also love, which I sort of didn't really pay attention to before, there's a single hurdle thrown up and it's a large hurdle. And the guys are immediately just like, oh man, we're never gonna go. And the girl's are like, okay, well, let's just solve some of these problems and then I'm sure it'll work out. And I just, I'm positive it wasn't done with intention, but I like that moment. That was really cute. I, I like that they want to problem solve, but I also like that Jack points out that there's a problem in the first place. So like, that's yeah, no, he, it's a really good balance of having like the skeptic character, like <laughs> the cynical one, and also the hopeful, like, let's get this done kind of 
this is is, like the dynamic that you need in order to like get things accomplished absolutely this is this is good teamwork with the mice right now yes so i did enjoy that part yeah so uh jack and gus go off to have adventures to get trimmings for this dress and we see the stepsisters shadows um yelling about how come we don't have any new clothes and they point to various articles of their own clothing you know this sash this necklace and they say i wouldn't be caught dead in this i hate this this is the worst thing why don't i have new clothes and they throw them on the ground and storm out and the mice clearly go oh awesome those we'll get those and watching that i was like that's a trap you're gonna get in trouble for that that's a trap but it's not a trap on purpose no but it is a trap it is definitely a trap that's not going to go well for you but only because they're evil in any reasonable universe that would go fine oh yeah 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 yeah. no but they are evil so i'm like oh i see how this is gonna play out so they do shenanigans where they have to get two mice have to get a sash and they have lucifer's in the room and they have to sneak it past lucifer and then they have to get a necklace and the necklace breaks and there's just there's antics there's shenanigans do you really want to talk about the shenanigans in detail because i kind of don't i i mean no but i i did have a a two notes i did have two notes so one jack starts pulling off buttons to distract lucifer mm-hmm. and at some point cinderella is gonna have to sew every single one of those buttons back on <laughs> and he like pulls off all the buttons off an article of clothing and then the other thing is when the necklace eventually is torn and all the beads go everywhere the way that they collect it is by putting the beads on their little mouse tails which is disgusting if you think about it for even a second I refuse to think about it for even a second. This is a part of my childhood. Then we see the mice sewing the dress and it's actually really, really cute because they don't have like little mouse-sized needles and scissors or anything like that. They're using the human-sized tools and it's a lot of really creative like world building where they have like one mouse putting the needle through one side and another mouse catching it with both hands and stabbing it through the other way and that's how they're sewing and the way they're getting things up to the higher levels of the dress is that the birds are carrying they've tied string around a shoe and the birds are carrying a shoe full of thread up Mm -hmm. and it takes two mice to make the scissors go and it's just it's really creative and we get a, a scene where we pull back and there's string everywhere over ceiling beams and stuff so they're clearly using pulleys and stuff to get themselves the engineering in this is phenomenal and i really love how much they lean into the mice interacting with human sized stuff yes it's, it's very cute it's very creative i loved it it's like entangled where they for the first time really were like well hey let's play with the fact that she's got 150 feet of hair let's let's really emphasize how much hair she has let's not just be like oh she has long hair and then just never let's animate this hair forever it's it feels like an early version of that where they just really lean into something. And I, I love that scene. So the, the movie Sing, have you ever seen that with the animals and they sing? I haven't. I have it. It's on my list, but I haven't watched it. it it's not good. I'm, I'm not like recommending it or anything. <laughs> but uh, the premise is sort of similar to Zootopia in the sense that it's a bunch of animals living in a city and everything, like everyone's an animal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But unlike Zootopia, they don't really engage with that concept in any meaningful way when it comes to the physicality of their environment. Ah, okay. So like the roads are all people sized and the buildings are all people sized. And then like, if you're a a small animal like if you're a mouse you just have a mouse-sized car but you're still driving on the human road you know 
like yeah. they just didn't think about what it would mean to live in this world where mm. everybody is different sizes yeah and they didn't engage with that idea at all whereas in Zootopia they did it and all of that is to say they really engage with the idea of what it would be like if a mouse had to make a dress they they did they spent a lot of time in this this is I think this is the only animal subplot that I'm completely here for yes so we cut to the big clock chiming eight o'clock 8 p.m and we see a very tall palace and a lot of carriages pulling up and then we cut back to cinderella's house and a very modest carriage is pulling up it's drawn by a single horse it looks kind of rickety and cinderella goes and knocks on her stepmother's door and and says for the, the carriage is here and the stepmother sounds very genuinely sort of concerned like my dear you're you're not dressed aren't you going to the ball because cinderella's still wearing her uh, her work clothes and cinderella says you know no i i'm not going and the stepmother says in what sounds like a very compassionate way oh well there'll be other times and cinderella very clearly holding her all of her feelings in goes yes and calmly walks away and the stepmother is smirking in the background because she's evil i thought that cinderella actually cut the stepmother off a little bit because the stepmother was kind of going on, oh, what a shame. But of course, there will be other times. And and Cinderella cuts her off right there and goes, yes, good night. It's Which a power- is such a stunning way to not engage with somebody mm-hmm. and not be confrontational, but also completely dismiss what they're saying to you. It's, it's a very powerful move that she does right there. And she walks away and she goes up to her window and she's trying to make herself feel better by saying, oh, it's only a ball and I'm sure it would have been terribly boring and dull and I wouldn't have had, and it would have been wonderful. And she's, she's sad. And a light comes on behind her and the gown is revealed that the, mm-hmm. her animal friends have made. And she's completely surprised and delighted. And her reaction is just so sweet. So it's this beautiful pink dress that's like, got the sash going up the middle with a bow and it's kind of fluffy I don't know why I tried describing the dress you described the dress I was good I was waiting I was like no where are you gonna go with this I'm watching you should continue no I just um (laughs) I actually don't like the dress at all is where I'm going with it so here's my thing I really like the dress because it is not in the same style as the stepsisters which have sort of big weird bustly type things and their hair is in very tight ringlets and it looks weird and ugly and they have feathers in their hair and it's very flouncy and her dress is just it's simple lines it's got a tight bodice and her sleeves have some puff to them but they're not aggressively spherical like the stepsisters are and it's it's a wide skirt it's this delicate pink color it has lovely white trim it has an overskirt it's just it's very pretty I love it it looks good on her. It's it's a pale pink dress. She's got blonde hair and blue eyes, so she looks good in pink. And it's something that she's made, and she's wearing the necklace of green beads that, like teal mm-hmm. beads, jade beads, whatever, I guess, that the mice have re-put together, scavenged and reassembled for her. I, I think my thing with the dress is that it looks very childish to me because of all of the details on it. So it's got the the ribbon and the bow and the kind of like frilly trim on it. And I just feel like if it had been simpler, it would have looked more sophisticated. And because it's got so many details on it, it looks younger to me. Mm-hmm. 
which isn't to say I wouldn't have liked it as a kid. I think as a kid, I would have looked at it and been like, wow, that's a beautiful dress. No, it's go to the ball in that. It's definitely not as quote sophisticated a dress as her stepsisters are wearing and certainly not as much as the dress that she winds up actually wearing to the ball it is very much a simpler dress but I like it because it feels more her Mm -hmm. it it feels more naturally her it feels comfier it feels more like you could dance in it it looks better on her I'm gonna go with I like all the frills and ribbons I think it looks better on her because white sparkly dresses really look good on anybody do you think that the prince would have noticed her the same way in that pink dress that's the thing that's what makes it matter because if she'd gone in the dress that she had made and he had still noticed her because she was sweet and kind and beautiful that would have been a very compelling romance mm-hmm. so i i don't know i really like the dress and i we're about to have my least favorite scene in the movie I just wanted to say, like, I'm much more interested in the story of, you know, this abused servant girl who makes her own dress and comes to the ball. I mean, she doesn't make it, but it's like a homemade dress. It's a homemade dress, yeah. Uh, Comes to the ball in a homemade dress and is just there to enjoy the night. And I want to see, like, the prince notice her and not care that it's, like, a a more humble dress. Yeah. And to, like, talk to her and get to know her. I just, I think that's a more compelling story. Agreed. And I think the way to play that is that you wind up there and everybody is ridiculously overdressed. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I have jewels everywhere and feathers from every, lace everywhere. And you, you wind up somewhere and there's a woman in a beautiful dress with clean lines. Mm-hmm. And just no jewels, no feathers. She's got a flower in her hair or something. Just something, uh, just a simple green necklace instead of jewels everywhere. I think that would be very compelling. I think that you could make an equally strong argument that that would grab your attention I think so So, and yeah by showing us this dress before she gets her transformation dress they put that seed into our heads and it it just I can't not think about it yeah no it would have been a much more interesting story that way and I I would very much like to see a version of the story where she makes her own dress and she goes to the ball by herself because her magic mice friends make her a dress it doesn't have to be mice maybe she has like a seamstress friend who lives next door or something who does her a favor or this is one of the ways that she's like very talented and yeah hardworking or, like, or whatever like in ever after it's her mother's dress like she has a dress and it's old-fashioned but it's still beautiful or something mm-hmm. and she goes to the ball under her own volition and i i really oh whatever it's cinderella i don't want to talk about this next scene so okay so the mice are kind of like surprise and Gus goes happy birthday and Jack is like no no and so she puts on the dress she looks very nice and she rushes to meet her step family and is like wait and they see her and the girls aren't happy and they start complaining and the stepmother is very cool and collected and says I never go back on my word but the way she says it is so threatening and it's made extra threatening because we then get a close-up of Cinderella's face because the stepmother is walking towards her and says, we did make a bargain Ooh. and I never go back. And she's walking towards Cinderella menacingly. And the look in Cinderella's eyes is she's just actively being animated in a terrified way. Her eyes are big. She's shrinking back. The whole time we've seen her up till now, she's very much stood straight, been regal. Expression has been serene or mildly miffed if she's by herself or something. Mm-hmm. 
she's terrified. Her eyes are big. She's actively leaning away from her stepmother and like scrunching it. She's clearly terrified. And the stepmother comes up to her and picks up, you know, lifts the necklace from her chest and says, these beads, they give it just the right touch. Don't you think so, Drizella? Who was the one who had thrown away the necklace? Mm-hmm. And Drizella goes, no, I don't. I don't. <gasps> and turns around and goes, you thief, those are mine. And Anastasia realizes that the sash is hers too. And they just shred her dress. And it is the most upsetting scene. Because through it all, Lady Tremaine's expression is just, this is exactly as I planned. Just, just That's awful. Oh, I hate it so much. And like, of course, you see it coming, watching it, you know, you know, this isn't going to work out, but But it's it's genuinely so distressing to see the dress ripped off of her in pieces. And she's left in the shredded remains of this beautiful gift. And it's, it's the fact that it's a gift is what makes it so upsetting. Like she got this special gift from her mice friend who worked all day and did serious engineering to make her this dress. And she just got all her hopes up that, oh, maybe she was going to be able to go after all and hope is clearly her driving thing. And the stepmother then eventually stops the girls with just a very calm, girls, we mustn't be late. And Cinderella is still just standing in the middle of the floor, shaken. And right before she leaves, Lady Tremaine looks back in and goes, good night, and closes the door. And it's just, and the music is now playing a, a very fast and in a minor key version of a dream is a wish your heart makes and it's just it really hits you because it's it's in a minor key now it's sad now and cinderella just throws her hands into her face over her face and just flees just runs and you get again an incredibly beautiful a beautifully drawn and animated scene of her running out through the house out through the gardens through the farmyard over to where the fountain is and everything is greens and blues and trees and night and she just throws herself down on a bench and starts to cry in all of her rags and her hair is all like messy and snarly now all the animals are watching and they're sad and all the animals are looking at her and cinderella as she's crying goes while the song is playing about dreams coming true and all of that she goes no it isn't true it's just no use no use at all i can't believe not anymore there's nothing left to believe in so through this, there are little fireflies worth of glitter just sort of appearing and disappearing in the scene. It's very, okay, subtle's not the right word, but it's very sparse at first. It's not just, bam, glitter explosion. There's little fireflies, essentially, and they convalesce into coalesce? What's coalesce. Okay. Because you're doing convalescence. <laughs> I am. I'm trying to do different things. So they, they coalesce into... A fairy godmother sitting on the bench and she manifests herself under cinderella so cinderella is now crying with her head on her lap and doesn't and seem to notice does not notice and the fairy godmother is short and plump and has white hair and is wearing a gray robe and the fairy godmother says now that can't be true if there is nothing left to believe uh, what did she say she says if you'd lost all your faith i couldn't be here yes and C- cinderella goes no that's not true and they have another like line of conversation before cinderella lifts her head and is like who are you i was so confused by that <laughs> i was like does she know does she not know i, I think it's that know. i think it's that thing of her being just so lost in her own world and also let's be fair she's used to mice talking to her 
why not want like an extra voice out of nowhere is probably not as startling for her as it would be for you or me so cinderella looks up and goes oh, who are you and the fairy godmother starts to look for her wand and mentions that she has a magic wand at which point cinderella goes oh, well then you must be in the fairy godmother who's like looking under the bench for her magic wand now she also does a couple of hops just to see if anything shakes out of her skirt and we kind of see like a flash of her bloomers which i thought was very funny yeah i i like this fairy godmother she's She's very cute. She's very cute. She has a good sense of humor. And so Cinderella goes, well, then you, a magic wand. Well, then you must be, and fairy godmother is like, I'm your fairy godmother, dear. Like, obviously. Like, come on, catch up. So she, she pulls her magic wand out of thin air and just a line appears. And she announces that the very first thing she needs is a pumpkin. And everyone looks confused. And she sings the Bibbidi-Bobbidi-Boo song and magic's a pumpkin over to her yeah and it bounces and it rolls and it's in time with the music and the vines grow into wheels and it bounces and bounces and gets progressively larger and paler and kind of glittery and it becomes a coach it was a really lovely carriage transformation i think one of the best ones we've seen yeah i have a hard time judging it because it's just iconic for me mm-hmm. so in my mind i'm just well yes how else would you transform i just I love other transitions because this one is so just steeped in my mind as, well, yes, this is how you get carriages. You turn them in from pumpkins. This is how it goes. <laughs> but I forgot a lot of the rest of it because the Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo song is not my favorite. And I usually tune out at this point and go do something else and come back later. So the stepmother then announces that she, the very next thing she needs to know. He said stepmother again. Oh God, I'm always doing that. It's because in my notes, I have them listed as FGM and SM, and I just, I confuse them. Those are different. They are, but It's not hard. That's how I list them in my notes. Well, I struggle with that then. So the fairy godmother then says that the next thing she'll need with a fancy carriage is, and there's there's an old horse that's around that's one of the animals, Mm -hmm. and the horse sort of coughs meaningfully at her, and she goes mice and the horse sort of is abruptly disappointed in an Mm -hmm. abrupt horse of disappointed sound which they do really well yes that's a good moment the all of the animals have a lot of personality even the ones that don't talk they have a lot of mannerisms you get a really strong sense of what they're feeling in any given moment it's good animation it It just doesn't mesh very well with the rest of the style agreed i would go with the animals that don't get voices actually have more personality i think the dog and the cat and the horse have more personality than the mice because the mice are very much just caricatures they're they're very flat they're very one-dimensional but like bruno the dog somebody has a dog and they've just designed it off bruno and that dog has so much personality Mm -hmm. so i don't know i really love the other animals the mice are not my favorite the mice and the birds sort of meh but i love bruno i love the horse i love lucifer as a villain he's such a good villain he is a good villain like as far as villainous cats go like he's right up there yeah so the fairy godmother turns the mice into horses she says you'll have a coach and four but then there's only three horses and she's like i thought there was a fourth mice somewhere and gus has run away in fear Gus doesn't want to be transformed. Gus does not want to be. Gus Gus has had a stressful day. Gus was found this morning and now has had to get dressed, 
make a gown hunt (laughs) has been hunted by a cat several times gus has had a stressful day i can understand that he does not wish to be turned into a horse well his options were be potentially eaten by lucifer or be a horse and he goes with be a horse so i love this this is one of my favorite jokes that lands so the fairy godmother swishes her wand at gus and right as lucifer pops a teacup over him again we have a we have a teacup theme in this and the way it's animated is we just see lucifer with a teacup on something and we don't really see anything else and then we zoom back and lucifer picks up the teacup and it's empty because lucifer is now on top of the horse that was gus who is looking back at him angrily and And suddenly more powerful and suddenly much more powerful and does a very intense horse snarl if anybody's been around horses who are mad at you it's a very specific sound i I assume all horses are mad at me i used to live on a horse farm and horses when they're mad at you make a real specific sound it's a high-pitched whinny snarl i don't know how it's true and so lucifer is terrified and falls off the horse and into the fountain and runs away and lucifer joins the other horses gus joins the other horses and gus joins the other horses i can do this so the fairy godmother turns the horse the one horse that wanted to be a horse and do the job of a horse she turns him into the coachman who's now in charge of the fake horses and she makes bruno the footman and the whole time as she's transforming people Uh and things into stuff uh cinderella keeps being like kind of excited like and kind of like and now it's my turn my turn now i'm gonna get the dress and now something's gonna happen and you kind of see her like anticipating that it's a great Um, joke it builds it builds really nicely and so the fairy godmother tells her to hurry you know you can't be late and cinderella goes but what about my dress and the fairy godmother goes yes yes it's oh good gracious you can't go in that which means that she's just seen her dress for the first time she was not like very she's not very aware which i want you to put a pin in that for when we watch the third movie just put a pin in that lack of awareness pin in that lack of awareness got it okay so the fairy godmother designs her a gown based on her size and the shade of her eyes but the dress is white so like if you're gonna i I get that that's a rhyme because fairy godmother does all this in rhyme yes instead of a horse a footman of coachman of course like she does everything in rhyme Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but if you're gonna something like the shade of her eyes have it be blue and like to be fair the costume that you buy when you're doing a a cinderella costume is a blue dress because the way that it's lit is always like a tint of blue but the dress itself is technically white the dress itself is totally white i don't know that it's, that's weird and i don't like it the dress itself is nice it's very it's a it's a better version of the sister's dresses it doesn't have aggressively poofy bustles and the sleeves are puffy but um but better they're they're more delicate again big flowy skirt she's got her hair up and like a little diamond tiara thing and she's got glass slippers too which she points out mm-hmm. and she's just sort of admiring herself and she's got a little black choker that's cute that is cute and she also shows off to all the animal friends which i thought was cute that is cute that's a cute moment 
and I like that she's that she's got animal friends who were turned into the horses because that that really makes sense like that's that's a line of continuity they would clearly want to help her out yes so I really liked that part that made a lot of sense so they're they're talking for a, a second and then fairy godmother's like oh my god you have to go it's it's running late and she gets into the coach and is carried off to the ball so the thing that I really like is that when we get the you only have till midnight Cinderella goes midnight okay thank you and the fairy godmother is like okay but you understand only till midnight and she's like oh yes I understand it's it's more than I ever hoped for thank you right and I just thought that was so sweet well and it's nice because it's this happened directly after eight o'clock I mean yes the we saw it chime eight the step family left shortly after that after demolishing her dress she couldn't have cried in the garden for more than five minutes we get the line even miracles take a little time so worst case scenario it's 8 30 now mm-hmm. like maybe 8 45 we don't see what time it is when she gets to the palace it's a magic carriage how long can it take this entire kingdom is a single street so it can't be that long which means that instead of showing up at eleven thirty and having half an hour She's got mm-hmm. like three hours, which is like plenty of time to have a good time. So now we cut to the ball and the ball is very gold and very pompous and very boring. Is this boring? Nobody's dancing. No, we're just, we're just having women be introduced to the prince who is defense, has just been, he has just arrived home that day. He did not know there was going to be a ball. He now has to stand for hours and be introduced bowing. To, to every single woman in the kingdom and bow to her and the women and are somehow, distinct they're they're not identical but they're they're very similar and very just sort of blah they're, they don't stand out and somehow this isn't working uh, oh yeah no the king is furious <laughs> that this isn't working and he goes i don't understand why he's not cooperating with my plan and in my notes i go that i haven't told him about i mean he does explain what he thought would happen and it does eventually happen so it does it will sort of but we then get this line which i really like the king goes i mean surely one of them would make a suitable mother i mean i mean a suitable wife (laughs) he's very clear that his uh motivation is like biological oh absolutely i do think that it's not that he's focused on getting an heir no he just wants grandkids he's just like i just want kids in the house i just like children being about and i'm mad that my kid is grown and not spending time with me no he just he wants grandkids yeah which is a much better motivator than i want an heir for my dynasty it's just it's better it's a better motivation i still maintain that the best motivation for getting the prince married was the one that was like my son is a matador and i really wish he'd settled down because that's dangerous so the stepsisters are introduced and the prince is yawning and sort of rolling his eyes he's not being terribly rude but he's clearly super bored like who wouldn't be so the king is grumpy because it's not working and the chancellor starts to sort of tease him which is dumb considering how we've seen the king respond to literally everything fury fury just his options are anger and happy and he's clearly not happy so like tread carefully my dude and so then the chancellor does 
this thing where he tells the king, oh, you're such a romantic. I'm sure you thought it would go exactly like this. A young woman arrives and tell him. I wrote it down. You wrote <laughs> it down. Thank you. I was like, I didn't write this down. I don't do. So he basically paints a word picture and as he's saying it, it's actually happening with Cinderella. Yeah, but he's not paying um, attention. He's, but he's not paying attention. He's like rubbing his monocle and kind of chuckling to himself. Yes. So he's like, what did you think would happen? Suddenly he stops. He looks for Lo. There she stands, the girl of his dreams. Who is she? Or when she came, he knows not, nor does he care. But his heart tells him, here is the main destined to be his wife. Yes. That's what I got. <laughs> yeah, so that's what happens. And that is exactly what is happening, what we're seeing the prince do. We see Cinderella at this point has entered. The servants' eyes all follow her as she goes down this long hall. And she's not with the other group of women. She's sort of just looking around. And she's he, just way far in the background. She is across a big, she's across a football field. But she is very sparkly. She's extremely sparkly. I, I give you that. So he definitely notices her, probably because of the sparkles. And he goes to see her and sort of greets her and she we don't get any words, but she sort of does the hand flutter to, to chest motion. And the, clearly he's interested in her. And at this point, the chancellor goes, seriously, sire, it was foredoomed to failure. And the king who's been watching this whole thing is like, failure, ha, huh? look at that. And look at that, you pompous windbag. So the so king is questions. like, the waltz, quick, the waltz, the lights. And he's he's orchestrating this like he's Sebastian in The Little Mermaid trying to get them to make out. But the king is also on a balcony well above everything. Everything in this film is very elongated, by the way. So the castle is approximately 10,000 feet tall. So yes. he's on, the, the ballroom is a hall that is four stories tall and he's on a balcony at the top of it. And he falls off the balcony trying to orchestrate the lights and the um the waltz and the chancellor is just sort of hauling him back over by his robes in the seat of his pants because the king is just a big baby essentially it's just a big toddler who someone he's has very made. excitable again in his locomotion i put it to you is very someone's got a chubby toddler that really likes to move <laughs> there there's a lot of scooting it's a lot of scoot i've got scooching in my nose a whole bunch that's so funny. The waltz starts. The king announces that he's going to sleep and the Grand Duke agrees and the king goes, no, no, no. You're responsible for coming to get me as soon as the prince proposes and if anything goes wrong and sort of puts his finger across his throat like you're dead. Yes. So we see the, the prince and Cinderella dancing together, but we don't really see like, we're not really in the space with them. We're no. getting the same perspective as all the people who are like on the outskirts. So. Yes. You know, first we see them from the point of view of the king and the Grand Duke, and then we see them kind of from behind of a crowd of people that are kind of watching them dance. And then we mm -hmm. see the stepmother and the stepsisters being like, who is she? Mm -hmm. uh, do we know her? And we just really don't get to see them until... For most of it. For we the don't first watch part them... of, the, of their introduction to each other. We don't yeah. get to hear them talk to each other. Nope. We don't hear that. We don't watch the beginning of their waltz. The stepmother says, I don't know who she is. I'm sure I've never seen her, but she looks familiar. So we get the, so this is love. No, no, so the, mm -hmm. so the stepmother, so no, 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 sorry. So the no. stepmother finds her familiar and tries to follow them. And the chancellor deliberately drops a curtain, blocking them from her view as they begin to waltz and out into the gardens. And then we get the, so this is love song. And 
I like that she's singing it in her head. I like that this is not a song that they are singing to one another because it's very much an internal song. Like, oh, am I in love with you? Is this what love feels like? This is wonderful. I'm so happy. I, her teeth are aggressively white in this scene, like glow in the dark white. And I, I don't like that. So normally I'd agree with you about the song just being in their heads, but we haven't seen them say a single word to each other. And at this point, I was like, I could go for a duet, like a real duet, not a just in their heads duet. Yeah, we get a just in their heads duet and they waltz and they walk down some steps and we watch all of this from, other than one or two scenes where they're waltzing close up, we get all of this from quite a distance. They walk down steps at a distance and they walk through fountains and gardens at a distance and the sky is full of very sort of sparkly starry night stars that sparkle and it's mm -hmm. it's really beautifully drawn and then they walk over a bridge it's over like a lake or a river or a pond or something that's very sparkly again and the lighting is beautiful they're doing oh, like moonlight on them mm -hmm. with shadows yes and there's this one moment when they're still dancing where the animation shows their faces turning and that's the hardest thing to animate where instead of having somebody in profile or something like that you do their face turning and you see the whole range of motion and i was just i was blown away by the fact that they did that and then they zoomed back out again yeah so it it's a beautiful scene but we're not we're, we're very much not included in it it's something that we are literally watching rather than being invited to experience. Yes. So it wasn't quite enough for me. No, no. And that is one of the main critiques of the Cinderella is that what romance the prince literally, he, he has, he speaks in this one scene and that's it. We don't hear from him. We don't, we know nothing about him. People talk about like, Ooh, Eric is the most generic prince and Prince Philip from Sleeping Beauty is the most uh, generic prince. And then you're like, what about this dude who literally not a, who has two lines in the entire movie that are just sort of questions hollered at her as she leaves and doesn't have a name. This well, is he's so generic that people just forgot about him. That is the, literally, that's, that's what happens. That's, he's the I, one that we're all like, all oh, right, right. Can you tell me one thing about him? No. Well, even Cinderella can't think of a thing about him later on. No. And she plays it off as like, oh, it was just so wonderful. Like I was slipped away. But like, describe him to me. We just watched this. Describe the prince. Well, at one point she goes, he was so, so. And it's very like when she was trying to think of something nice to say about Lucifer. <laughs> so we, we should actually describe the prince for a second. He looks like a Ken doll. He looks like a Ken doll. Good. Moving on. So. Well, I wanted to say, I don't mind him falling in love with her at first sight, him seeing her across the room and running to her, like all of that is great, but I want to see like his face. Like I want to see his eyes light up. I want to see his like mouth kind of part and be like, who is she? Like, I want to get some sense that he's being swept away. And yes. the fact that all of that happens basically off screen because we're focused on the King and the Grand Duke. Mm -hmm. I was furious or it happens on screen but across the room when we're looking at his back so yeah there it's really frustrating the lack of I think he fails the sexy lamp test 
I just, the amount of time devoted to talking mice versus the amount of time devoted to romance is, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a decision. And I, watching this again with a specific, you know, Cinderella lens, given what we've been doing, it just really highlights what a weird take that was. Yeah. I just, I have questions, but moving on. Mo- moving on. So they're, they're on this bridge and it's this beautiful sort of delicate bridge over something and they're about to kiss and suddenly the background sort of comes into focus and it's midnight. And, and she Cinderella goes, goes, goodbye. She goes, oh, it's midnight. I have to go. And he's like, wait, why? You have like, and she goes, no, I, I can't explain. I just have to go. And he's sort of holding onto her hand and she's, trying to run away which it's like hey man she just said she wanted to go like she also is like clearly grasping for a reason to give him so she's like i haven't met the prince when she's like but didn't you know that and like obviously he's the prince she does not know that because he wasn't at the center of the dais bowing to her she just walked in and was sort of looking around and this nice man came up to her and she's never been to the palace and she's not been to a fancy ball so she genuinely does not know that he's the prince. So she doesn't know he's the prince. He doesn't know her name. Nope. Nobody knows his name. Nope. And he goes, but I don't even know your name. How will I find you again? And she just sort of yells goodbye and just sprints away. <laughs> and she waves goodbye to the chancellor as she comes through the curtains. It's cute. And he's like, goodbye. Wait, no, come back. <laughs> so she races down the stairs, drops her shoe, the prince is blocked from following her by a mob of girls. Which I liked. Yes. I liked that there was a reason that he couldn't follow her. Yes. And the chancellor is, follow the carriage, catch her, don't let her go. And in my notes I have, he releases the nine. <laughs> he releases the riders of, he releases the Nazgul on her. Because they looked so creepy. It's so well done. Because the horses are black and they're black. Like they're silhouettes. They're just, everything is black. There's no individuation. Their cloaks are red underneath. So when their cloaks billow, you get this blinks of red. And it's it's very, again, it's very Night on Ball Mountain. You don't get the sense that they're going after her for a good reason. You get the sense oh, that no. they're like hunting her for murder. It's, it's a hunting scene. And there's a, there's a bit where the chancellor tries to close the gate and he's like, close the gates. And Cinderella just scrapes through and he goes, open the gates. It's, it's a cute moment. And the clock is chiming and the we whole get time. it superimposed over this chase. Mm-hmm. And we get that scene where Cinderella's carriage starts to de-transform mm-hmm. in the middle of the street. And they all kind of run off the road into the forest. And that's why they're not found because all of the riders just keep going down the road thinking that they've just lost sight of the carriage. Mm-hmm. And they trample the a pumpkin, which is kind of a sad scene. Is it? It's a pumpkin. Well, I don't know. Were they going to lug the pumpkin home? No, it's not that it's the pumpkin. It's just that they trample the pumpkin and sort of the sparkles go away and it fades. And now it's a sort of dried, faded pumpkin. And it's just the sense that the magic has gone from the night. And it's just, for me, it's a sad scene. But Cinderella seems like really happy. And she apologizes to all her animal friends. And she right? says, I guess I forgot. I, right? Like, I love that scene. I love that she apologizes to them. She says, I'm sorry, I guess I forgot about everything, even the time, but it was so wonderful. And he was so handsome. And when we danced, oh, I'm sure even the prince himself couldn't have been more. 
more and nothing. She can think of no description for the for the guy she danced with. Nope. Nope. Um the mice point out that her slipper is still glass. And yes. she takes it off and sort of thanks the incorporeal fairy godmother. Yes. Which I like because it's very clearly, even though the fairy godmother is not does not appear again, it's very clear that the fairy godmother has allowed her to keep these shoes. Yes. It, it's the most explanation of why the shoes persist that we ever get. Yes. Which so, I always wonder about. Yeah, I'm like, and, why? Why are and those usually, there? usually the way around that is that the shoes are given to her separately. Like the dress is transformed, but, but the, the shoes, shoes are handed to her. So they're not magic. They're just glass slippers. I mean, that's not in any of the things that we've seen so far. Yeah. But, but that's how I've seen it done yeah, where it, it's it, made sense to me. Yeah, it can be handled that way. But it's in generally that that's like the that's easily the weak link of the Cinderella story of, but why are the shoes still there? Why are the shoes still there? Answer me. For the drama. Yeah. So we cut to the Grand Duke, clearly practicing telling the king the bad news that the young woman has escaped. And he just breaks down. He can't do it. He's terrified. The king is sleeping in the world's biggest bed and he's dreaming of playing horsey with future grandchildren. And he's so delighted. And like, you really get the sense that he wants grandkids so badly. He does. He does. So when the Grand Duke walks in and wakes him up, he assumes it's because there's been a proposal. He starts shoving cigars into this guy's mouth. He breaks out a sword to knight him, which is when (laughs) the Grand Duke finally bursts out with what actually happened. And then he goes to kill him with the sword instead. So this is my one of my favorite moments of delayed reaction where the king is saying that he'll make a national holiday that everyone will be invited massive celebration he goes and he pulls out the sword and the chancellor is frightened and uh says and knighthood and he goes to knight him and the king goes oh by the way what title would you like and the chancellor chooses that moment to go she got away and the king goes she got away that's a bizarre title but if that's <gasps> and it's just it's a great moment of delayed reaction from the king (laughs) and yes then proceeds they have a a big chasey sword fight it's not a sword fight because the chancellor is not defending himself but we get a sword chase around the room that culminates in the biggest bouncy bed fight yes which ends with them both being caught on the chandelier that is again 70 feet off the bed yes and the grand duke is trying to explain but you know the the prince has sworn that he'll 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 only marry the girl who fits this slipper and the king is like oh he will oh that's fabulous then fantastic so i love this because the king because the king is immediately on board and you're like wow he's so happy that he's in love no that's not what's happening because the grand duke is like but it might fit any number of women and the king is like, that's his problem. He promised, that's his problem. go try it on and every woman in the kingdom, the first one that it fits, he has to marry her, I decree. Problem solved. So this is a great moment of the prince being a dum-dum and the king being like, oh good, problem solved. I'm fine now. He just, he wants his son married and he wants the grandbabies now and he doesn't care how it happens. Not at all. Not at all. Which makes me wonder why not an arranged marriage at that point? 
I think we're going to have a lot of things to talk about later. <laughs> I just, I have questions. We have, there are so many questions. Specifically because this one is sort of the iconic Cinderella. And it's so weird. And there's so many plot threads that you're like, don't you want to go there? Are you sure you don't want to follow that plot thread rather than having me show, showing me my shenanigans for the 17th time? You don't want to explore this interesting plot thread that you've just laid out and then left and abandoned? You want to show me mice again? Okay, that's fine. That's fine. I'll watch the mice. <laughs> that wasn't my reaction precisely, but okay. So we cut to Cinderella's house and Lady Tremaine is storming up the stairs, hollering for Cinderella. And when Cinderella appears from the kitchens, the stepmother is like, where are my daughters? Are they still asleep? And tells Cinderella to bring up the breakfast trays. And she goes into her daughter's bedrooms and wakes them up and tells them the, the news that the Grand Duke wants to find the girl, that, the, that they've announced that the shoe, something, something. She's expositioning. So basically, the sisters are like tired and they're like both cuddled up in one bed at this point because she's dragged them out of bed but they're just going back in bed yes and they're like why should we bother if he's in love with the girl from the ball yeah you know it's not like we have a chance and the stepmother goes no you do he'll marry anyone who fits the shoe and they're kind of like hot dog let's do this well so and the reason this is important is because cinderella walks into the room and the stepmother is saying the grand duke has announced that he'll that he's mad because this Grand Duke is madly in love with the prince. Or I'm so sorry. <laughs> the what now? That's a different movie. I'm so sorry. So so she, she announces, she's in the middle of saying, she's just talked about the Grand Duke and is saying, and does not specify her pronouns and says, because he's madly in love with the girl that he danced with last night. And Cinderella enters the room and the sisters sleepily go, the Grand Duke? And Lady Tremaine goes, no, the prince. At which point Cinderella realizes that the person that she was dancing with is the prince and goes the prince and drops her breakfast tray and everything clatters to the ground yes so she cleans it up she gets yelled at yep. and she's just in this like complete fugue state of just dreamy happiness Absolutely. they're piling clothes into her arms and she's just kind of smiling dreamily and kind of drops all of it and is like, yes, we must get dressed and well, walks out of the room. Well, so it's a, so the stepsisters are just sprinting around, throwing dresses at her. And after a kind of a while, they sort of screech to a halt and go, well, well, what's the matter with her? Yes. Why aren't you helping us get dressed? At which point she hears them for the first time and goes, dressed? oh yes, I must get dressed. It would never do for him to see me. And just very calmly and absentmindedly hands this massive pile of clothes to one of her sisters and just turns and dreamily walks out of the room. Sort of humming and waltzing to herself, at which point Lady Tremaine follows her out of the room and her eyes glow green with evil. And Because she she's figured it out. She's, she's figured it out. And it's we fade around Lady Tremaine's face and her eyes glow green. And it's just, it's a really scary scene just watching Cinderella with menace. Yes. And what she does is she follows her up the stairs and locks Cinderella in her little room. Yep. And it's really creepy because we see her methodically go up the stairs and we oh, see yeah. her either from all the way at the top 
or all the way from the bottom at these weird angles really really aggressively strange angles and it's it's beautiful and yes. Cinderella is just dreamily singing and brushing her hair in her mirror upstairs and the mice are aware of this because the mice are everywhere they are her spies and they race into her room they're trying to warn her and she's just not paying attention she's too happy she's too happy and so then she looks up into her mirror at the last minute and sees lady tremaine put the key in the lock slam the door shut lock out it's so creepy it's like a seeing like a Mm. ghost in the room in the mirror behind you it's yes another reason to be afraid of mirrors so at that point she starts crying and is like no please you have to let me out you can't keep me locked in here and lady Germain just puts the key in her pocket and walks downstairs and then the grand duke arrives with the slipper mm-hmm. and lady Tremaine is like no girls remember this is your last chance don't fail me and Which, it's very like evil ruler telling their like hench person to go kill that person yeah it's, it's uh don't don't mess up this murder again it's she's so evil she's such an excellent villain yes um so the grand duke is sleepy because he's been searching all night because it only takes all night to go through this kingdom because again there's only the the one street it's a village it's it's a village with a big castle at one end and we get antics with the stepsisters where they the grand duke starts to read a long proclamation or the announce they bring a long proclamation to read and the stepsisters start screeching oh it's my slipper no it's mine and Meanwhile, the mice, Gus and Jack, are trying to steal the key out of Lady Tremaine's pocket. And there's a lot a of mice. antics with that. Yeah, there's some antics. Uh, Anastasia tries the shoe on first, and it looks like it fits. But then she actually pulls up the rest of her skirt, and it turns out that it's just sort of on the balls of her feet because her feet are massive. And the shoe is tiny. And the shoe is very small. There, through shenanigans, the mice get the key. I, I'm not going through all of it. Yeah, they get the key and then they carry it up the stairs and you really get a sense of how heavy the key is for them because mm-hmm. they're dragging it, they're flipping it and yeah, they just... almost topple over and then yeah. they get past like the big, you know, grand staircase and they get to Cinderella's staircase and Gus looks like he's going to cry because yeah, G- it's Gus more looks up at the 17 flights of stairs when it's taken them this long to go up one and just sort of sees double and sort of passes out for a second and jack slaps him or shakes him or somehow gets his attention and is like no that she needs us you know buck up so they they get all the way up to the top of the stairs but of course lucifer is there and he catches gus under a cup and gus still has the key and all the mice have to attack him with like forks and candles and the birds are dropping Mm -hmm. plates and dishware on him and then finally cinderella sees what's happening and tells the birds quickly to get bruno yeah well so cinderella saw what happened right away because she saw through the keyhole that the mice are bringing her the keys Mm -hmm. and she saw lucifer trap him and so she's like begging lucifer to let him go which is again such a horrible scene oh my god i hated that i skimmed right past that because i just it's just you know for a moment i thought it was gonna work i thought this was gonna be like she's so good natured and she's gonna appeal to him Mm -hmm. and after all that she's done for him he's gonna He's going to just capitulate and choose her over Lady Tremaine. No. Mm-mm. I want you to put a pin in that for the second movie. So, oh, boy. I have so many pins for you, Talon. I'm having a great time. Okay. 
so yes and cinderella remembers that bruno exists and tells the birds to go get bruno he's sleeping outside in the sun and again does not want to be woken up i think the theme of this movie is actually everyone is sleeping beauty and just does not wish to be woken up everyone's just tired everyone's so tired i'm tired i'm, I'm tired too man anyway so they try to wake bruno up they're sort of unsuccessful the horse clearly hears what they are tweeting to him and whinnies loudly and wakes bruno up and they eventually convey to bruno what's happening and assist him in getting inside and up the stairs at which point he gets to the top of the stairs in one of my favorite scenes and just growls at lucifer who panics well lucifer like escapes but he falls out the window do we see what happened to him did lucifer die by no. falling out that window so, bruno chases lucifer up into a tall window and then lucifer jumps out the window or bruno bruno doesn't push him but he attacks him and lucifer is left with no choice other than to jump out the window and we watch lucifer fall and he watched Lucifer fall for a long time. And he does not do the cat thing where he flips over onto his feet. But we also do not see Lucifer land. Okay. Spoiler, Lucifer will be in the future films. So he doesn't die. Okay. I just thought that that was like really intense. It is really intense. They, that is not made clear in this, in this movie. We don't see, we get no, we get no closure on Lucifer's state of continued existence. He is Schrodinger's Lucifer at the moment. So at this point, the shoe antics have finished below stairs and the duke goes you are the only ladies of the house i hope i mean i presume and lady Tremaine sort of glances upstairs and goes there's no one else your grace and he's like great cool awesome and starts to walk out and then we hear cinderella go wait your grace can i try it on and lady Tremaine is so mad i love that cinderella speaks up and she gets his attention and she's not just like crying and waiting for something to happen. Right. Like she runs for it and she's going to make this happen. She does. She's a very, that. she's a very active participant in her own story. And I appreciate that greatly. Which I, having never seen this before, I always assumed that this was one of the least active Cinderella's where things just happen to her. But I was really pleasantly surprised on that count. And I think that's one of the reasons that this has always been one of my favorites is because this is the 50s. This is well before the Disney Renaissance of princesses do stuff for themselves. But she's she's ahead of her time. Mm -hmm. She does stuff. So the Duke is very pleased immediately because he sees that she is lovely and blonde and looks like the woman from the night before and has very tiny feet. Yes. So Lady Tremaine attempts to block her and says, no, she's she's just a she's scullery maid she's a scullery maid she can't and the duke gets very pompous and it says no the command is that everyone will try it on stand aside madam and it's it's a great line but then of course the stepmother lady tremaine she trips the herald who's carrying the shoe and the shoe shatters she's got yes. this cane and it's very dramatic and her mouth like curls into this oh. twistable smile gnarly it's, it's smile it's the most aggressively evil smirk and the duke is having a mental breakdown because he knows that the king is going to kill him and cinderella goes well perhaps it, if it would help and the grand duke is like no nothing will help now and cinderella's like but i have the other slipper and, and of course it fits of course it fits but we then get this amazing shot of lady tremaine's face of just ah, aghast eyes just from Spurious. below just it's a great i think it's a great comeuppance just that scene just knowing that she's done everything possible in her power to thwart 
to thwart Cinderella and she's just failed this is <laughs> just, that failure because she's such an aggressive woman she's so and especially in front of her daughters and a representative of the king right it's I think it's a really good comeuppance they don't spend any time on it but I think it's really powerful I it wasn't enough for me I wish I wish that there was more mm-hmm. but I do agree that at least it's something yeah I it's a really good scene I likewise would have liked there to be more but there's not so obviously the shoe fits we then cut to wedding bells and Cinderella is in the same dress again but this time she has a veil because it's her wedding she's also got long sleeves now she does you're right she has long sleeves now she still has the little black choker she and the prince run down the stairs from the chapel and she loses her shoe again (laughs) It's very cute. And the birds are holding up her veil and the It's back. really cute. And the king comes down and gets her shoe and she comes back to get it and he puts it on her foot and she kisses him on the top of the head and he turns all bright red because he's all embarrassed and they get into their uh, carriage and we see that the mice now have fancy uniforms, which I think means that Cinderella sewed them little tiny fancy I think so. And I uniforms. love that. Yeah, and little hats, little hats too. And so we then get the shot of the back of the wedding carriage and it's sort of an open frame. And no, am I missing a thing? Um, So the mice are throwing rice and also eating the rice in the case of Gus as it happens. And the horse, er, the horses that are pulling the carriage are all the like fancy palace horses, but the one right in the front is like the old awkward horse. It's the old that horse. they didn't let pull the carriage. And I love it. Was going to the ball, but now he's got like the place of honor. It's so sweet. I love it. Yeah, just, that's a really great moment. That's a that is a detail that they did not have to include that I absolutely adore. Yeah, that like that emotional uh, continuity and that sort of like closure. I really it's really good at that. Yeah, so we get the back of the wedding carriage and they smooch and then their animation turns to illustration and the book closes and it's the wishes dreams dream song come true song. song yeah and then we're done so that's that's, how, that's the how, end that's how this movie ends so i have to know what you thought about this i thought it was okay it wasn't what i thought it was i thought that it would be very sedate and kind of i thought it would be like a lot of long sequences where nobody talks mm. and just kind of like very like not a lot happens basically I thought it would be all the Cinderella bits stretched out to the full runtime what I didn't count on was that <laughs> all of that was filled up with like mice antics right right because the mice antics are necessary to the plot because I'd heard the songs before and I knew there were mice, but I didn't realize like the whole movie was mice. Yeah, it's it's a lot. I may have to watch this again in time how much of it is mouse antics just for just for numbers. I liked some of the mouse antics. Some of the mouse antics were good. So what was what were your favorite mouse antics? Um, I liked when they made her dress. Mm-hmm. I thought that was cute. I liked when they came to her rescue and they got the key and like that was satisfying. I like that they were turned into horses and they went with her to the ball. I thought that was really cute. Mm -hmm. I like that her horse was transformed because I've always questioned how she gets home. Because she gets to ride the horse instead of walking for eight hours. Yeah. So she and her horse and her dog get to go home 
together and the mice can sit on the horse like it's fine but otherwise you wind up with i'm now stranded alone in the middle of nowhere miles from home yeah at midnight so Yikes. i i like that her horse is there with her i'm sure they didn't think about it but i really liked it i don't know that that horse could hold her up that looked like a really rickety horse it's an older horse but it would have been fine um, i i think even if she can't ride the horse home she appreciated the company so did the <gasps> yes she would have had to do a barefoot too Jeez. right right so did the emotional loveliness of like the old horse being included at the end and did like the really nice unnecessary but beautiful emotional scenes make up for the very much unexpected trauma of like the dress and I knew about the dress scene going in okay. and I knew it was gonna hurt and like I knew and it still hurt mm-hmm. and like there was just a lot that was like surprisingly emotionally cutting yeah which I didn't expect and I don't think the highs like the emotional highs quite met some of like the really devastating moments in terms of intensity yeah so for me it felt a little unbalanced where they did the trauma really well but they didn't do the beautiful soaring happy moments very well yeah I think we could definitely have skipped out some of the mice antics I think the making the dress Mike's antics is really nice mm-hmm. I really like that one and it sets up the concept of mice antics uh, which l- would lead very well into the um the rescue antics but the other antics it's anytime they interacted with lucifer that i was just like immediately like over it lucifer is such an interesting secondary villain to have because i never really considered that the cinderella had a secondary villain but Mm -hmm. it very much does yes it's definitely lucifer and not not as an extension of the step family just no lucifer is just mean just an aggressively mean cat He's not even chaotic. He's actively villainous. He's yeah. a mean, vicious little cat who is also somehow kind of cute. Yeah. It was such an interesting choice because they, Lady Tremaine is terrifying. She is one of the best Disney villains of all time, usually second only to Maleficent, voiced by the same actress, mm-hmm. only because Maleficent can literally call forth powers of hell and turn into a dragon. But like, other than that, Lady Tremaine is just as scary. She was horrifying. She was actually one of the highest for me. I wasn't oh. expecting her to be so effective. She's so good. She's so good. I, I always forget how visually beautiful this movie is. Mm-hmm. So I think we're just talking about collective highs and lows here. I guess so. I, I do have a very specific low. Yes, what's That's your low? That's not the dress being ripped apart because okay. I figure you will that, say yeah, that as yours. There's, there's a moment where the mice are being chased by Lucifer, where he gets tangled in a sleeve oh, yeah, and becomes this, this upsetting <laughs> worm thing that like crawls towards them in this weird undulating way. Meanwhile, they're like putting beads onto a tail, like one of their tails. I hated everything that was happening in that moment. That's fair. That's fair. That was the scene that didn't need to happen. What would your high be? Well, assuming the bubbles are your high. You, you, can, you have first shot at the highs for all of these. You can choose whatever highs you want. I will pick other highs or agree Well, with I feel like I always take the ones you want and you've already mentioned how I you have, felt I about pick, both of them. I can oh, pick other scenes. I have a lot of highs and lows in this movie. Okay, then I picked the bubbles. I thought that was like really unexpectedly beautiful and I loved it. Agreed. Those are lovely. What are your highs and lows? So 
weirdly it's the same scene it's where her dress gets torn is my low because yeah she's she's so shocked because her hope has gotten up and this beautiful gift that her mice friends have made for her is just aggressively ruined out of nothing but spite because we specifically saw that those items of clothing were disdained and thrown away and then lady tremaine's expression through the whole thing and just girls we mustn't be late good night just Oh, it's so and it's then chilling it's absolutely chilling it's just it's someone taking delight in watching someone who's powerless be abused it is deeply upsetting and but the the visual beauty of cinderella as she runs and the way that we watch her run through windows like we mm. see her through a window running and through the gardens and the gardens are these beautiful sort of grecian gardens there's like temples and sort of tree trees that are sort of topiary like and that they're sort of shaped lovely and it's just it's dreamlike everything is in these beautiful gray blues and greens and there's shadows but it doesn't feel oppressively dark and it's clearly a favorite spot because we saw her sitting there with her father at the beginning of the movie with like bruno as a puppy which you probably didn't notice but bruno as a puppy is there in the beginning i didn't notice that bruno as a puppy is there which lucifer is a full-grown cat there which upsets me because i would have loved to see like chaotic evil lucifer kitten i think that would have been hysterical i if i could insert any scene it would be a childhood scene where there's like a tiny evil kitten uh there was another scene that i absolutely loved yeah it was the moment where cinderella gets called into lady tremaine's room after the mouse in the teacup is found Mm -hmm. and it's the first time we see lady tremaine like in the present and Cinderella has to walk through these shadows cast by the panes mm-hmm. of the window. Mm-hmm. And the way they cross over her face, it's so like spooky. And she keeps getting closer. And you see Lady Tremaine for a far back in the shadows. And then finally yeah. you see her face. It's that was great, so dramatic. It's a great villain reveal. Yeah, I just, I really love this movie. I like most of the songs too. I don't like the opening song. It's pretty dumb. Cinderella. I get stupid. I don't like the Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo song. I thought I don't. that was fine. I don't like the work song, but I love uh, Sweet Nightingale. I like A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes. I like So This Is Love. I did like that. Like I all... found myself really liking So This Is Love. I like that song. It's a good song. Yeah. It, it's catchy. I like I... hearing the prince humming there. He didn't really sing a lot, but I like that sort of masculine like mm, yeah. okay, sound so, that he made. Yeah. So if I had to pick a low that wasn't the dress, it would be the lack of a prince he he yeah. basically wasn't there yeah i mean if he if you replace the prince with a scholarship application <laughs> and at the end she runs off to college with a scholarship that like you wouldn't nothing would be lost there's if she went for a long walk in the moonlit gardens to ponder her future as a postdoctoral student of hospitality work like you would not lose anything it frustrated me how little the prince mattered in this very supposed to be romantic story. It wasn't romantic. It it's just not. it wasn't. There it's wasn't a, enough no, romance for me. And also too much mice. Yeah, she's very happy. And you get the sense that she's feeling very sort of swept off her feet and r- romantic, but there's no romance in the movie. We are not experiencing any of that. Mm-hmm. We get the so this is love song, which is nice, but you have to have two parties be involved for there to be effective romance. Yeah. And as much as he's there and willing, he's certainly not involved. 
so yeah I I didn't really get the sense of what made her special to him or what made him special to her other than he was possibly the first man she's ever seen other than her father (laughs) yeah who who knows they don't really delve into that so what would what would you change about this movie oh just just the prince and the mice just about five minutes less of mice antics and just five minutes more of prince anything yeah that would that would be a really effective change i i don't disagree with you i would change the personality of the king and the grand duke because Uh as much as the sort of mice and animal antics are sort of incongruous with the entire cinderella animation the king and the grand duke are just large grumpy toddlers just sort of bouncing in bed and hanging on chandeliers and belly scooching across tables and it's just it doesn't match with either of them it would make more sense if the mice were doing those antics you'd be like okay cool mice mice this is a weird antic for a mouse to be doing but okay whatever i thought it was interesting that we got a very similar dynamic and a very similar role uh fulfilled by the grand duke as we usually have fulfilled by the queen and i thought that was an interesting choice to not have a queen and to have like this character be like such a major character yeah it was definitely a choice and i didn't mind their i didn't mind their portrayal exactly Mm -hmm. like i didn't mind okay you want to have the king be just really overreactive and angry and you want the chancellor to be sort of awkward and stumbling over himself and have that be their dynamic i'm happy for that to be their dynamic Mm -hmm. but just could you animate it in a less toddler way less toddlers i feel fine about that i didn't feel like it was too toddlery i don't like toddlers (laughs) you don't so what grade would you give this movie oh i'm torn between an a minus and a b plus because I really love this movie. It's visually gorgeous. And I love how much, I love how active she is in her own story, which is something that we don't see as much as I would like, especially in some of the older ones. But there's so many mice antics and there's no romance. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to give it an A minus because she is so, she's so active in her own story and she has such, she's so regal and in control of even scenarios where she's not in control of just stepmothers very subtly mocking you for not being able to go to the ball just i'm not participating in this conversation anymore good night and she thanks her friend she's appreciative of her friends she cares for people she is uh, compassionate and lovely i'm gonna give this an a minus if you had swapped out again a couple of minutes of mouse antics for like a prince is would be getting a much higher grade yeah so yeah a minus how about you B plus for me. I, I was kind of hovering between B or B plus. Mm-hmm. I I thought that the animation was just so spectacular. And I thought that there are a lot of really, really cute little details and a lot of just like, like I love that she makes clothes for the mice. It's I just really think cute. that's such a cute personality like quirk. Right? Um, so I felt like she was a real person and I really like that, but yeah it was it was the mice and the prince I was just like not into it there's also so many interesting plot threads that are just sort of left on the table and you're like yeah I really want although Lady Tremaine is a villain 
She's very good. Very good. But I mean, I don't think we can rate a movie solely based on how awesome the villain is. Oh, watch me. (laughs) As I felt the words leave my mouth, I was like, that's a dumb thing to say. That's a stupid challenge to make. Jesus. I just, you know, I, I liked it, but I don't see myself watching this ever again. I kind of want to watch this like right now again. I love this movie so much. Well, it's almost midnight, so thanks for joining us. If you like this episode, please leave us a rating or a review. We'd love to hear from you, so follow us at CinderPod on Twitter and Instagram, like our Facebook page, or email us at thecinderellapodcast at gmail.com. If you want bibbidi-bobbidi bonus episodes or to hear us discuss this week's Cinderella again, but with more adult beverages than the Ever After Party, please support us at patreon.com slash cinderpod. Our intro music is Bad Ideas by Kevin McLeod. You can find him at incompetech.com. Until next week, we hope you have a happily ever after.